loves, welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm actually recording this intro rather late in the evening. I don't even know if you can still call this hour the evening. It's 10.51 p.m., which for me is pretty late, especially because I was in New York until yesterday. So I think that makes it like almost... 2 p.m. or sorry, 2 a.m. for the time zone that my body's on. But a girl's got to record a podcast intro, you know. So I was just out to dinner with a few of my really, really good girlfriends, all of whom have been on this podcast, I noticed. Um, Britton Tara from Elevate the Globe, Ashley Straff, my amazing photographer and dear friend and fellow mold healer, healing from living in mold, and Kelsey Patel, who is my beautiful retreat co-host, and she's been on the podcast so many times, and she also officiated our wedding just a few months ago. So I am so filled up and so nourished, and tomorrow I'm going to Ojai with Jonathan for Valentine's Day weekend and just all the love, having such a love-filled weekend. And I'm going to be hopefully working the bare minimum while we're there and just soaking it all in and soaking in the love. So I'm recording this episode, this, sorry, this intro a little late and that's why a little late in the evening, but I love to always set the tone and just kind of feel like I'm chatting with you guys, my friends from all over the world. And I love to know what you're doing when you're listening to the podcast, where you're tuning in from, if you're in your car or doing a little yoga flow or sitting in your sauna. I love to hear. Um, So yeah, so tell me, tag me on Instagram and tell me what you're up to. So today's guest is the fabulous Liz Moody. Um, We recorded this here in LA, even though Liz lives in New York, And I was just in New York, but we recorded this when she was here just a few weeks ago. We're actually doing a podcast swap. So we recorded this one first, and then we recorded one for her podcast called Healthier Together. That's the name of her podcast. So to hear the rest of the conversation, the end of the conversation, and and just kind of the script is flipped, um, and she's interviewing me, head to her podcast to hear that. And we're also hosting a fun giveaway for you guys, for people who rate and review both of our podcasts in iTunes. So her podcast is Healthier Together by Liz Moody. And then of course, this you're listening to, the Soul on Fire podcast. If you would be so kind as to rate and review both of our podcasts, we are giving away two $100 gift cards to Amazon. So two winners. So basically all you have to do is rate and review Liz's podcast in iTunes, rate and review this podcast in iTunes. And once you do so, send me a screenshot and then send it to her because then you'll have double the chances of of um, someone seeing it, which I'll definitely see it if you email it to jordan at thebalancebond.com 
or DM it on Instagram. I will keep a lookout and you can also comment on my latest Instagram post and her latest Instagram post saying done. And then in a week, we'll choose two winners for the $100 Amazon gift cards. So just a little bit about Liz. Liz and I met several years ago now at the Mind Body Green Revitalized Conference in Arizona. And we were seated next to each other at dinner. So all the dinners there are kind of like random assignment seating so that you're sitting next to people that you may likely have not come with and maybe haven't met yet. And I remember sitting next to Liz and just loving her, loving getting to know her, being so fascinated by her story. And she's a fabulous writer. She's written two cookbooks. One of them is called Healthier Together and one of them is called Glow Pops. And they've both done really well. She's just an incredible food stylist, food photographer, recipe developer, author, all of the things. And yeah, at the time when we met, she was working for Mind Body Green. And since then, she has branched out on her own. And I'm so happy that she has because her podcast is awesome. Her book is awesome. All of her freelance writing is great. And she's just amazing. So I loved this conversation with her. I loved hanging out with her and getting to know her better through this conversation and through the conversation we had on her podcast. She's really funny. She's really smart. Um, We have so much in common. It's kind of crazy with our writing backgrounds and just growing up in Northern California, being in relationships with people who we absolutely are obsessed with and many other things very deep things. She's fabulous and she loves to read just as much as I do. So you should check out her Instagram for, she always has book ideas and she does a little book club on her Instagram. I just love that she shares all sorts of things like that, healthy food, but also lifestyle. And we get into it all in this episode and in the episode on her podcast. So I hope I'm not late night rambling because I kind of feel like I am, but you know what? It's fun. I love talking to you guys. I haven't had this much energy in so long. I mean, I was just in New York yesterday, came back, kind of had a low key day today on purpose after travel. And then I had such a fun night tonight with my friends. And if you've ever had a chronic illness or if you have Lyme, or anything similar, then you know that is a huge deal because for the last several years, any kind of travel whatsoever, I mean any travel, whether it be short or long, if there's a plane involved or a long car ride, I would be down for the count for weeks. And that is not an exaggeration. I mean, a weekend trip, I would have to plan to be in bed for weeks. And the fact that I was in New York, a notoriously kind of wild and energetic city and and that I was actually able to go out with friends tonight and I'm now recording for the podcast is a big deal and also if you're new to the podcast I'll just give you the quick little update that I took about a four-month hiatus last year at the end of last year and I believe this is the fifth episode post hiatus, which is very special, fifth or sixth. And I'm just so happy to be back. I'm so grateful to have the health to be back. And 
to record this back-to-back podcast swap with Liz. That's something I haven't been able to do in a long time either. I've only had energy for one podcast at a time, even before my hiatus last year. So I will save you from my rambles, but I always like to just update you, set the scene and chat with you guys my friends, my people, my TBB tribe. So join us in the Soul on Fire Facebook tribe to keep the conversation going and rate and review both of our podcasts for a very fun chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. And before we dive into this episode with Liz, who's, who's so awesome, and I know that you guys will love her, I wanted to thank our sponsor. So we have two sponsors for today's episode. One of them I'm going to talk about now, and one of them I'm going to talk about in the outro. But I'll tell you, both of them are Hum Nutrition and Go Macro. So Hum Nutrition is a fabulous beauty supplement company. You can use the code SOUL, S-O-U-L, for 20% off of their products. And then Go Macro is my favorite vegan bar company and you can use the code blonde for 30% off and free shipping. So let's talk about Hum Nutrition and then we'll talk about Go Macro in the outro. Hum Nutrition is, like I said, my favorite beauty supplement company. They're online, so it's very easy. You can order your supplements online. You can talk to nutritionists on their website They have it down to a science. So you take a little quiz on humnutrition.com, which matches you with your very own personal nutritionist who will then analyze the answers that you send in and recommend the best nutrients for you based off of what you're dealing with and what your deficiencies are. And also they'll give you advice if you want specific advice. Um, They take all of the guesswork out of the whole supplement and vitamin regime, which is so awesome. Um, I have had some longtime favorite products with Hum Nutrition. So I'll tell you what those are in case you want to try some of the things that I love. I love their Mighty Night, which is actually one of their newer products, but we gave it out at our wedding in the gift bags and we got so many incredible responses from people. And I started taking it and it's so good for sleep. And you can take that from a notorious insomniac. There's a lot of different herbs in it that help you sleep. There's CoQ10 and valerian root. There's also peppermint, which is a digestive aid. And I absolutely love it. I take that at night. And then I take the daily cleanse in the morning that helps clear your skin and body from toxins. That one is full of a bunch of very healthy and good for you herbs as well. And then I love the Uber Energy. I love the Killer Nails when I feel like my nails need a little boost. I love their green superfood powder, the Raw Beauty. So you really can't go wrong. You can use the code SOUL, S-O-U-L, for 20% off at humnutrition.com. Enjoy. And now let's head into this episode with Liz. All right, guys, I'm here with Liz Moody and Hudson. Um, She's a cat person, so I can say that. So Liz Moody is a longtime journalist for so many publications that many of us know and love. 
She is the author of Healthier Together, an incredible healthy cookbook, and the host of the Healthier Together podcast. Yep. Among other things, um, I'm so excited to have you here, Liz, and just converse with you. Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like this has been like long overdue. It really, seriously. Yes. You've been very patient with me as I have literally... <laughs> Anybody who's tried to like book something with me for two years, I've been like, yes, no, yes, no. I Oh, I you actually have am not coming. reasons though. Yeah. And I think that it's like when your friends have kids or something, you have to just be like, okay, like you win. You get right. to have the reason. Yeah, exactly. It was worth it. And it's good because I wasn't in a very good headspace. I have a lot more energy now. So I'm excited to do this with you now. So... I kind of like to just start from the beginning with this with this podcast and just ask people, where did you grow up? Um, I That's always a hard question for me. My parents are divorced. So I grew up half in Tucson, Arizona, and then half in Modesto, California, which isn't far from Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, but it is much less pleasant, I think. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with Modesto. Yeah. So it's I had, uh, it's no more idea. famous because um, Lacey Peterson is from there and mm-hmm. she's the woman who is involved in a really crazy murder case in my high school years. And so we had uh, like Anderson Cooper camped out downtown for all of my high school years. That's um, crazy. Yeah. It was weird. It was like, it's an interesting place to grow up. It definitely provided me with a lot of impetus to like get out of it. When I graduated from high school, I had a plane ticket to Europe that day. So wow. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. So did you go, you went to high school in Modesto? Yeah, I went to, so I went to uh, elementary school and middle school in Tucson. And then I wanted to sort of live with my dad for a little bit. So I moved up to Modesto and went to high school there. Wow. Which was definitely like, it was a very different like socioeconomic high school. And it was just a lot of exposure to stuff I hadn't had exposure to before, which I think is good ultimately, but it uh, freaked me out at the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Modesto, I'm... It's so close to Sacramento. And so we probably... And so far. <laughs> yeah, so close yet so far. Did you go into Sacramento for like restaurants and yeah, that kind of stuff? I feel like we did a field trip to like um, the old town of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it's cute there. Yeah, that's it though. Like it, um, we went mostly to the city, to San Francisco. Oh yeah, yeah, which is so much closer. Yeah, that was like where when we were kids, we'd like go to Haight-Ashbury and like feel really cool. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> So what did you want to be when you grew up? I've wanted to be a writer since I was five. Oh my like, gosh. Like since I could write. I think, I think it's really interesting actually. So I learned to read when I was three and my mom was in the hospital from when I was like two to three. And I think that had something to do with it. I was just kind of like, it was with, you know, caregivers and stuff like that. But I spent a lot of time by myself and in my head and... So I learned to read really, really young. And by the time I started kindergarten, I was a great reader and I could already read and write. And so I think the kindergarten teachers were like, oh, you're so smart and good at this thing. And it was this immediate feedback that I was good at it. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'll be a writer. And I think there's something really interesting about like what we get praised for when we're really young, because I bet it completely determines the course of our lives. You know, if somebody is told they're good at math, then they're like, oh, I want to continue to get this praise. And then they try to be good at math and be good at math and be good at math. And I I think that I wanted to be a writer for as long as I remember, but I also, I wonder sort of which came first, the chicken or the egg, you know? Um, But I always, yeah, I was obsessed with books. I was obsessed with storytelling. I still sort of think that, that storytelling and the capacity for empathy that storytelling breeds is one of the most important things on this planet. It's what makes me feel like I'm making a difference or I matter. So I wanted to be a writer since I was five. And 
I thought I was going to be like a novelist and wrote a lot of books. Um, I sent my first book out to try to get it published when I was 18 and I got an agent for it. And then she didn't sell it. And that process sort of repeated itself five times. Um, And I, every time I was like, this is going to be the one. And the agent was telling me it was going to be like the next big book. And for people who don't sort of know about the writing world, getting an agent, an agent gets like hundreds, if not thousands of submissions of manuscripts every month. So, and they take on maybe 10 new clients. So that's really like where the narrowing happens. And most of the time when you get an agent, you'll get a publisher. So every time I was like, oh, I made it through the hard part. I'm going to get a publisher. And I didn't. And it was a really big sort of a reckoning for me. Cause I was just like, I thought I was going to be an ingenue. I thought I was going to be like, you know, publish my first novel before I was 20. And as you get older, it's scary because instead of being good for your age, you just have to be good. Right. Um, and I think that that was really hard for me. And it was interesting because it wasn't until I transitioned away from what I always thought my dreams were going to be. And I pivoted that I was able to have this whole new dream open up for myself. Wow. I have chills because we couldn't be more similar. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I mean, Did I, you, you, like, I know that you've like always sort of been in the writer world. Have you written like novels? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's why it sounds from, from exactly what you're saying, like yeah. knowing since I was five that I wanted to be a writer, being praised for it in yeah. my very tiny little school in Sacramento and writing countless novels as a teenager. And then beyond that and same. And then once you realize that, yeah, like good for your age versus being good, that's what gave me so many chills because I always thought I was like a prodigy or something. It probably sounds so silly, but I did because that's what I was told. told, Yeah. Yeah. And I love writing, but the passion for writing that we share, it's really cool to see how you've taken that and and pivoted and done something so beautiful with it in so many different ways. And I love that you share that too, because your cookbook is so successful and you've, you've written multiple. Yes. And it's nice to know the backstory. People are not, you know, not everybody is an overnight success. No, not at all. And I think that like careers just have such a, they, they look like waves, you know, like I, I had early success. I pitched a newspaper column when I was 15 years old. And then that ended up uh, being in the Modesto B. And then it ended up being nationally syndicated for like five years. And I think that was like, I had all that success really early with my writing. And then I had like none for a while. And I worked for a startup that failed. And um, and then I had all my sort of failed novels and all of that. And then I slowly started to get back. So I just, I think it's it's all ups and downs and ups and downs. And I feel like I'm on an up, right now. Uh, but I'm sort of aware that that might not last forever. And I think I'm a lot more steeled to it, not in like a hard way, but I just am like, okay, I, I can, I think there was somebody that said like, if you can't get attached to the ups because then you'll need to be attached to the, da- mm-hmm. to the downs as well. And I, I really that. like that. I like that too. It's like, you can't get too attached to the positive feedback that you get about yeah. your work because then you have to get attached to I'm the negative and hate hateful stuff. Same. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's hard. It takes a while yeah. for sure. So you graduated high school in Modesto. You went to Europe. Yes. Um, what, what did you do from there? Um, so I, I was writing my column already at the time. So I had like a little bit of structure to my life, which was good. Um, but I 
backpacked around. I spent like $900 in four months or something. I always think when people tell me that they can't afford to travel, I'm just like, you can, you just might not like the type of travel you Mm -hmm. can afford to do. Um, But I worked in hostels. I uh, worked at a hostel in Amsterdam for a number of months. And honestly, I got far into the drinking world, the drugs world. I did way too many drugs. Um, and I I think I just had like a lot of insecurity at the time. I was hanging out with a lot of people who are a lot older than me. I thought that doing a lot of drugs made me cool um, and feel more attractive and feel more confident. And so I sort of was in that whole world for a while. And that continued when I went back. I went back to college at uh, UC Berkeley and still was sort of in that whole world. Um, and it took a while for me to to come out of that. And it's something I still feel like a lot of mixed feelings about because I had a very traumatic experience as a result of that time in my life um, that has led to a lot of my anxiety now. And I think that it's still like, I'm trying to find that forgiveness for myself over how I treated myself, you know? Yeah. No, um, that's that's yeah. beautiful. So was the traumatic experience related to the drugs and going yeah. out? So I was traveling by myself in Brazil. So I basically what I did for college is I'd go to college for a semester. And then again, because I had my column and I had the flexibility to do this, I would go travel for a semester. Um, so I was traveling in Brazil by myself at the time. And I was really, really underweight. I I hesitate with like eating disorders because I don't really want to self-identify in that way. Um, And I don't think it's fair to a lot of people who really struggle with eating disorders, but I definitely had disordered eating and I was very underweight. Um, And I was on the beach in Brazil and I was smoking a joint that I got at a favela, which is the sort of um, poorer areas of Rio. And I remember just being like really, really hungry all of a sudden, just like struck with this wave of hunger. And I got up to go get some food and I um, was ordering a burger at a burger place and I had a seizure. And um, because I was by myself and nobody knew who I was and I didn't have any money, they took me to the hospital that they take the people in the favelas to just sort of the poorest of poor hospitals. There was a guy on the table next to me who was like bleeding out. And I was just literally sitting against a wall not knowing what had happened or what was wrong with me. You're super disoriented after you've had a seizure. And I also, I think I refused to accept how unwell I was at that point. And so I was just like, oh, I didn't do this to myself by smoking a joint while I didn't have any food. It wasn't like the joint was laced or anything. I was like, this could happen to me anytime. And I just really internalized that. And lived in a lot of fear over it happening again for a long time. And then I'd have panic attacks and think that they were leading to a seizure. And and I, I've spent a long time being like, if you hadn't been such a party person, if you'd had more confidence and hadn't used, had to use drugs in this way to make yourself feel better about yourself, you wouldn't have had this experience that like honestly has led me to 14 years of really chronic anxiety since then. Um, and it's only been in sort of, even the last six months to a year that I've realized all the positive places that anxiety has been able to take my life and sort of seen the whole thing. Not as like, I don't think I'm quite to the place where I'm like, I wouldn't trade that for Mm -hmm. anything, but I am to a place where I'm like, I kind of understand the tapestry of my life and how all of the different parts make up the whole. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think if nothing else, you've been able to help a lot of people by sharing so openly about your anxiety. Yeah, I hope, and- I hope so. That's like when I was, so there's a period when Zach and I lived in London where my anxiety like absolutely was at its peak. I, I still sort of like, if that happened again, I don't know what I would do. It was the only time I've been um, suicidal. It's the only time that I, I just was like, this is so uncomfortable every single day. I can't live like this. And the only thing that made me feel better was like, finding celebrities with anxiety or like YouTubers with anxiety and being like, oh, they're like living their best lives and they have anxiety. And so I'm not like, you know, um, Amanda Seyfried or anything, but uh, if I can make somebody feel like, oh, I can travel or, oh, I can go to the grocery store and they, and I have anxiety too, then that would like make my life, you know? Yeah. Well, you're definitely doing that. You've helped me. I like, I think back to some of the things you shared on Instagram about your anxiety and like panic attacks coming on. Like one story you shared about when your friend was over and you were having a panic attack and then you lay down on the couch. That made me feel so much better because that happens to me and that has happened to me since then. And I think about you because it's not that people, people don't talk about it so openly. And, um, when it's hard, I think to like, it's one thing I think to tell your friends, oh, I have anxiety or, oh, I've had panic attacks or something like that. But to be like, this is how I'm feeling now, I think is much scarier and it feels so vulnerable and it feels so, I don't know, just really, really scary. And so I think in that moment, the more I've been able to open up about my anxiety and the more that I've been able to talk to people about it, the less it gets, I think, which is... I wouldn't have um, thought before. So that day with my friend having that panic attack in front of her and having her respond in the way that she did, she like went and got my weighted blanket from the other room and she was so sweet and so lovely. And she said that it made her feel closer to me. And I was like, oh, so like by being vulnerable in this way, I can make people, it's, it's not only a gift to me to let myself not have to hide this shameful part of myself and to not label it as a shameful part of myself, but as a gift to my relationship and a gift to them to let them actually see all the parts of me. Yeah, that's really cool. I've yeah. been thinking about that lately because I do I feel believe... like you're so open about all... Like that's... Do you get shy about sharing, you know, like different ways that you're failing at different times with people? Not really, no, because I'm such an open book and I think I am too much of an open book at times because there are some things that I share that I later think like, Wow. I mean, I just like, I really share, but I think it comes down to, to our personalities and our human design and our astrology, our birth chart. Like I am a sharer by nature. What is your, so I don't, I don't, I've listened to a little bit of you talking about human design. What's your, but I don't know enough about it to like know about it, but what's your Zodiac? I'm a Libra. Okay, so that's like the balancey one. Yeah, with the with an Aquarius rising and a okay. Cancer moon. Ah. Cancer moon is very like watery and emotional and all all of those signs are very much like communicative and personal relationship like dominant really. It's like relationship. So, I share a lot with the people close to me for sure, but still even so, what you've shared has given me such permission to just rather than like ignore a panic panic attack coming on and just do everything in my power to make it not happen. 
just kind of let my body go where it needs to go. I think that's one of the most powerful things about anxiety is that literally if you lean into it instead of away from every time you're pushing it away, it makes it so much stronger. Mm -hmm. And if you lean into it, it makes it weaker. And it's so hard to do when you're feeling that sort of anxious feeling building in your body or your brain. But like letting yourself lean into those feelings is it makes such a huge difference. It's probably been the single thing that's made the largest difference in my anxiety. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you what, what helps you the most, because I know people listening are going to want these tips. What has helped you with your anxiety and panic attacks? So there's a lot of different things that I do. I mean, I think first and foremost, not feeling like I needed to hide it and like it was shameful. I think I I still remember the first time I um told my roommate in London and she'd like asked me to go to a pub or something. And I had said, I can't go because I'm, I feel like too anxious to go to the pub. And before then I'd been like making up excuses for why I couldn't leave the house. And she ended up telling me a story about her boyfriend uh, and how he'd had a seizure. And like, it was, it was just so every single time I've been open about my anxiety, my seizures, any of that, it, it's uh, massively just like made me feel so much better, like a huge weight off my shoulders. So I think that's huge. I also do, I think structure is a really big thing with anxiety that a lot of people don't talk about. I think having things be at a certain time and having your body sort of have a rhythm to the day is really important. So I think people with anxiety don't do well if they wake up at a different time every Mm -hmm. day or go to sleep at a different time. Um, I think having those sort of predictability, I work for myself now and I had to like consciously implement structure into my day of certain times that I do certain things. Um, So I think that's really important to people with anxiety. Uh, What else? I meditate. I meditate. I do Vedic meditation. Um, I always recommend that people spend the money on doing a meditation course because once you've dropped like a few hundred bucks on it, you'll you'll find the motivation to meditate. Right. Yeah. I think like the apps and stuff are great. Yeah. Yeah, But like, I actually think that make, and I'm so cheap. Like I really can't overstate how cheap I am. And I'm also loath to spend money on myself. Like I don't do a lot of the self-care stuff because it just feels so, I'm just like, I'm I'm trying to internalize that I'm worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that spending money sometimes can just be the, a really powerful motivator and like a commitment to yourself. So I spent the money and now I meditate 20 minutes a day and I've been able to do it for a really long time. I think I also spent the money on Zach doing it and he did not keep up his meditation practice. So it's not foolproof. Um, Definitely eating well. That's sort of like how I started eating uh, the diet that I did was I started experimenting in the kitchen. I was still a journalist at the time and I'd written for a lot of places. And so I sort of knew how to do research. And so I started emailing like, professors of neuroscience at Stanford and asking them for their tips on alleviating anxiety and stuff like that. And I cobbled together an anti-anxiety diet based on what they said. Um, And so I think eating well, but also I think the wellness world these days can layer in so much that causes anxiety in addition to um, alleviating it. So like I eat well, I I, and I define eating well as packing as many vegetables into my diet as possible. Um, I'm big on filling, adding stuff in and crowding stuff out rather than like eliminating anything. But I also think, you know, I go out for wine with friends and I uh, love pizza and uh, I had caramel M&Ms when I was driving down here from uh, and Cheez-Its in the car yeah. uh, when I was driving down from the Bay Area. And I just like, I think that 
leaving a lot of room for flexibility in your life is important too, and not being too rigid. I think that that being really rigid is hard for people with anxiety for sure. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I like CBD. Yeah. Um, I also love magnesium. Magnesium is probably the the thing I felt the biggest difference with, honestly, is that I'll do pure encapsulations and I'll double the dose. Like I'll call it overdosing on magnesium, but I feel like a potent, powerful effect in my body. I love magnesium. It's like, and I feel like you can feel it. We were talking about supplements, me and my husband the other day. And he's like, which ones do you think like, like really you actually feel a difference? And I think magnesium is one of maybe three that I feel like a very potent difference in my body. And then working out is something I've only very recently gotten into, but I yeah. love it. It's made such a difference. I started weightlifting and cool. Uh, and I do these like medicine ball slams and I just like slam the ball oh, yeah, down. That's and a it, powerful. Like, it move. feels so good to just like get all of that out. I'm also a huge proponent of sex and masturbation. I think both of those are incredible anxiety alleviators, um, alleviators singing. I think it's almost impossible to have a panic attack while you're singing. I love that. It's true. It's like I, sometimes if I'm feeling really anxious, I'll take a shower, which is also a great one. Cause you actually feel like you're just sort of like rinsing away negative feelings and I'll sing I'll put on some of my favorite music and I'll sing in the shower. And it's just, it's very hard to panic and sing at the same time. Yeah. That's really helpful. Okay. Yeah. Next time I feel a panic attack coming on, I'm going to sing. <laughs> Masturbate and then go in the shower and sing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of those things. And Cuddle take with the magnesium cat, and right? you'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and avoiding caffeine. There's, I yeah. actually say there's two more. One is avoiding caffeine, which is part of my last one, which is there's this concept that if you feel things in your body, it's called misattribution. So if you feel things in your body, your brain will find a reason that you feel that way. So if you have like an upset stomach or you feel a little dizzy or your hands are a little clammy, and those are symptoms that you would normally feel when you're anxious or have a panic attack, even if you're not actually anxious having a panic attack, your body will be like, why do I feel these? And in a split second before you can even compute, it'll be like, oh, you're anxious. And then it'll give you a reason to be anxious. And it starts this whole cycle. And so if you can stop those symptoms before they happen, so caffeine can cause like the sweaty palms and the racy heart and all of that. So I don't recommend anybody who has anxiety drink caffeine. I think it should just be like a hard no. And same with like, if you keep your gut health good and don't eat things that make you nauseous, like if you can and eat lots of like fats and proteins at every meal so that you um, don't spike your blood sugar so that you don't have any of those moments of crashing blood sugar or stuff like that, that you can misattribute as anxiety. I think that's, that's such huge. a good tip. Yeah. That happened to me the other day. Really? What I'm happened? hearing you talk about it. So I was seeing a psychic on Sunday with my best friend, this guy that we go see out in the valley. And his house is like tiny and crowded and there's a lot happening. And I had some coffee, which I didn't drink coffee for years, been drinking it lately because um, I love it. But I'm with you. Like it causes some of those feelings for sure. So I had some coffee. We were going in the morning. I probably had too much coffee. Yeah. We got to his house and he was doing her first. So I was sitting on the couch with them and my heart started racing and I started feeling like a little bit dizzy and yeah. just a little out of sorts. And I had also never been in his house. So I, I don't know, unfamiliar places and different things happening. 
oh my gosh, yeah. I was having such strong panic attack feelings, but I was talking myself down. Were you able in the moment to be like, this is the coffee? Mm-hmm. That, okay, good. Yeah, I was breathing and I was like, I know this is the coffee and I didn't eat enough. So what I did was like, this is a little out there of me, but he has a cat and um, the cat had like really good calming energy. Mm. So I was, t- I telepathically called this cat over to me and it worked. And his cat, his 10-year-old cat sat on my lap for the whole session and was purring and fell asleep. And he said, at the end of the session, he said, in all 10 years of this cat's life, he's never done that. He's never sat on somebody during a session. So I felt like I called him over. I really needed that like calming animal energy and it worked. Oh my God. I think animals are like miraculous. I I smell like the area between my cat's hat, like her neck sort of area. Yeah. And it smells like warm toast. I know. And I just, it, the pheromone, I'm just, it's like instant calm. I love it so much. Yeah. I'll literally like pick her up and like dose myself with her. Yeah, same. <laughs> animals are so healing, yeah. so healing. So you spoke a little about how you got into like healthy eating yeah. and the wellness world. So what did that look like for you? Because you came from kind of like a party scene. And then now here you are writing health food cookbooks. Yeah. So what did that whole transition look like? Well, it was, I mean, there's a few different things. It started honestly, when I met my husband, um, he grew up in Berkeley and he just, just by nature of growing up in Berkeley, you're just so much crunchier than, you know, what I grew up in Modesto. I grew up with the worst diet ever. I ate like boiled Nathan's hot dogs. I was like, my main dinner was microwave boiled Nathan's hot dogs without a bun, just like dipped in ketchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I too, like I did, I mostly lived with my mom and it was just me and her. And she's very much a like eat to live person and just wants to keep herself alive by having enough calories. Um, mm-hmm. so I mostly like would sort of fend for myself for dinner. I made Stouffer's stovetop stuffing a lot and whipped cream with sprinkles. Um, <laughs> Yum. And then in college, I was with my sort of partying crowd and I just wanted to be skinny. And so then I sort of went into the lean cuisine, fiber one. Um, there's like a hungry girl, the hungry girl cookbooks, which is a terrible name for a cookbook. Seriously. Now, it's like, why would I see that on a shelf and be like, I would like to be a hungry girl, you yeah. know? Um, but I did. And it was all about low calorie. The first night that Zach slept over, I made him uh, oatmeal in the morning. And I put, I made microwave oatmeal with blueberries in it. And I added like a cup of Splenda because that's how I ate my oatmeal at the time because I was like, oh, it's calorie free. It's great. And he literally was like, cannot eat this. This is offensive. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I really like you and I don't want this to be a reflection on our relationship, but I cannot physically bring myself to eat this food. Um, So he took me to a farmer's market for the first time. He, this, on our second date, he invited me over to his house and uh, he cooked for me from a macrobiotic cookbook. He wasn't like macrobiotic at all. He just found it at a little bookstore and was like, oh, this is interesting. And he made me like... uh, cabbage pancakes or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And he just, I, I don't think it had occurred to me to eat a vegetable before because I didn't understand their utility. Like I was like, oh, calories are the only thing that matter. Like what's the point of vegetables? I could just eat low calorie, like, you know, ravioli if it's a lean cuisine one and that's fine. Um, so it was a really big awakening. Food became this like really huge part of our relationship. We used to 
he used to like bring me to all these different restaurants and we'd go to farmer's markets and we'd go to this really wonderful supermarket in Berkeley called Berkeley Bowl that has like all these very strange vegetables that you can't find anywhere else. We'd cook together and it was this really wonderful awakening. And at the same time, I was writing my newspaper column still. So I was able to use that to like sort of dive into the world of food even more. So I did like um, a sommelier course in Paris and I really got into the world of wine. And then I did a cooking class in Tuscany for like a month. And uh, I went and lived with a Berber medicine man in Morocco for a little bit to like learn about healing practices there. Yeah. So it was cool because of the writing. And this is another thing I think I really liked about writing. And I recognize from a young age that it, I've always been really sad about the fact that at least in my belief system, you get this like one life and you get your choices. And I'm just like, I have so much I want to do. I can't imagine just like picking a path. And I really like about writing that you can live all these little snippets of different lives. I think that that's really satisfying. So I got to do all of that and just fell in love with food. So I was sort of eating healthy-ish already, um, very flavor forward and stuff like that. And then, like I said, when I sort of went through my agoraphobia, really extreme anxiety period, I started emailing everybody I thought knew anything about nutrition and sort of collating that into what I thought of as an anti-anxiety diet, which was based a lot in that blood sugar balancing misattribution thing that I talked about earlier, and also a lot in sort of lowering inflammation in your body and then supporting your brain health generally. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So so you and Zach met then in Berkeley going to college. Is that how you met? Yeah, I saw him at a bar and I hit on him. No like, way. spotted him across the room. What did you say? Oh my God. Um, he's going to kill me for telling this story. Um, this is a long time ago. <laughs> um, and he was dressed really cute. And I had had some wine. And I was like, a guy who's dressed that good probably isn't straight. So I tried to get all of my guy friends that I was out with to go hit on them, him and uh, to see if he was gay. And they were like, we're not going to do that, Liz, because they're sane humans. And I was like, fine, I'm going to go ask if he's gay. So I trotted across <laughs> the room, walked over to where he was sitting with like five other people at a table. And I was like, hey, are you gay? Um, and immediately regretted it. And I everybody was literally just like staring at me blank face. And I was like, you can save this Liz. And then I looked around to all of them and I was like, are any of you gay? And they were just like, no. Um, oh my God. <laughs> and he was like, no, but I guess he saw something in me. And then we ended up having like, you know, talking for hours and hours and hours. And it was just like sort of an immediate connection. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and then three weeks later, he, so we had this like magical like three weeks month. And then he was going to Rome for his architecture school. And um, he's studying to be an architect. And we were sort of like, are we still together? I don't know. And I begged my mom for a plane ticket to Europe for, it was like my Hanukkah present for two years, my birthday present for two years or something. And so she got it for me. And then I called Zach and I was like, you know, I'm visiting my friend in London. Like I could swing by Rome if you know you want me to. And so I ended up visiting him in Europe like casually. Right. Um, no big deal. Yeah. That's and so then so we got cute. to have this like magical little European experience in the middle of that too. Amazing. And then nine short years later, we got married. <laughs> wow. And now you've been married for how long? Three years, I think. Incredible. Yeah. Where so, did you get married? 
we got married in Sonoma, a little organic uh, farm in Sonoma. I really wanted a wedding where we would have a place where all of our friends could stay for a few days and like have it be us all hanging out together and then like walk out on the lawn and get married. So we ended up doing that. And we have friends from sort of all over the world at this point. And so we really wanted to show them California, the yeah. majesty of California. That's so magical. Yeah. I love Sonoma. I love know. I, I love Ojai now where yeah. you got married. I went for the first time last week and I was like, oh my God, this, have you been to that hot spring there? Yeah. I saw that you went there. It's one of my favorite places oh in the world. Oh my God. It has like the best energy. I'm also, I like will travel for hot springs. I, we were talking earlier about farmer's markets, like farmer's markets and hot springs. And I'm like, I'm there. Me too. Sorted. Yeah. We could travel well together yeah. because it's pretty much all I care about. Good, healthy food, farmer's markets, hot springs. And hot springs, I feel like nat- a good natural hot spring is so overlooked as like a fun vacation thing I know. to do because people picture those like ones in hotels that's just sort of like a glorified swimming pool. But like if you get this one in Ojai, you're literally sitting in rocks by a river and it's so peaceful and so serene yes. and so magical. I just love and it. And like no phones allowed yeah. and that's and everybody's so nice. Naked. And, yeah, <laughs> and like... Oh, just disconnecting yeah. and going into nature. It's so And they special. give you a little Mandarin. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really... Ojai is a very special place. Yeah, it is. It's, it definitely has an energy. Somebody was telling us it's because the mountains go east to west instead of north to south mm-hmm. or, or the valley goes which east to west. Which is why they get that thing called the pink moment, which yeah. is when the sun goes down and it hits the mountains and the mountains turn pink. Yeah, we saw the pink moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so pretty. We tried to capture that at our wedding. Well... It was happening actually during our ceremony. Did you time it um, with the we pink did. moment? Well, okay. we tried um, and we did, but we were we were like probably thirty seconds off of getting these epic photos after the ceremony uh, with the pink moment. But it doesn't matter because I mean still your photos so pretty. are pretty epic. Thank you. Yeah, it's a beautiful place and. Our photographer was one of my one of my really good friends. Aww. It was perfect. I like don't like my wedding photos. I think that's pretty common. <laughs> really? I mean, it like makes me feel I like I didn't like my hair that day and my makeup. I just felt like I looked like I like I spent so long trying to find a makeup artist who wouldn't make me look like I was wearing a lot of makeup because I don't wear makeup in my normal right. life very much. And then she's somehow that day like put all the I don't know. I just didn't feel like I looked like myself. And it's frustrating to be like, oh, I can't go back and redo that. I know. I totally get it. There's still things. I mean, we didn't, I mean, we could go into that, (laughs) but like we didn't get the time to take all the family photos that we wanted Mm. to take. And my mom's like devastated because we don't have any pictures of just the two of us, but you can just cut Jonathan out. (laughs) Well, I'll show you the hilarious Photoshop thing that Jonathan did, like all these different photos of just me and my mom, which is cute, but But it doesn't like, it doesn't actually look real, but, um, yeah. So that's so funny, but you guys are such a great couple and it, it influenced your book, your healthier together book, yeah. because it's all about cooking together as a couple. Yeah. Well, and cooking, I think it's about building community with different people in your life. So mm-hmm. I'm always like very quick to say, it's not just for people in a relationship. Like you can be healthier together with your mom. You can be healthier together with your coworker. But I do think that community is one of these huge missing parts of the wellness equation. Um, when I moved to London, I was so lonely. I was lonely in a way I've never experienced before. And I don't think that it's in any, it was, it was not a small part of what led to sort of my total mental breakdown, you know? Um, and I think that being lonely 
is something that just people don't talk about enough. Like I still feel lonely sometimes. I still feel like, how does everybody else have all of these like amazing friends? And I I do have amazing friends and I'm sure people look at me and think the same thing. Um, so I really wanted to talk about how, you know, you can eat right and you can work out and you can meditate, but if you're lonely, you're still going to not be as well as you could be. And so that's, that was the goal of the cookbook to me. And I think that the kitchen is this really beautiful place that we can get together and we can nourish our bodies and we can nourish our relationships at the same time. So you can cook this delicious food that'll make you feel really good, but you're cooking it with somebody that also makes you feel really good. And I think that's, that was such a big part of mine and Zach's relationship. And it, it felt important to me to sort of spread that message. So I would say my, my cookbook is, you know, 60, 70% about the really yummy food that you're making. Um, but if people send me stories about like how their marriage, they weren't talking to their partner in their marriage and they hadn't had like a good conversation or good sex for like nine months. And then they made it a challenge for themselves to like do the book together. And then they did it. And now they're like having a happy relationship again and stuff like that. That makes me so happy. That must be so fulfilling to hear. My favorite thing. Like I love when people like the recipes because I'm also very keen on telling people that like healthy food doesn't have to be boring. Like there's not very many salads in the book. It's like more, I, as I said, grew up eating very trashy food. So it's like healthy versions of trashy food, but I really want people to realize how important those relationships are and that it's like worth taking the time to, to nurture them. Yeah, it is. Community is huge. It's so big. I'm excited that I mean, I'm glad that you focused on that in your book and it's a beautiful book full of so many pretty photos and recipes. Thank you. Zach's really proud he like made it into the photos. Yeah, he did. (laughs) That's so fun. And Bella's in one, which I'm really happy about. We did, so if if you do a cookbook, you do this like really big photo shoot where you do all your photos. And so we had 10 days where we shot everything. And then I didn't feel like we had quite all of the lifestyle photos that I wanted. And so out of my own, I emailed my publisher and I was like, if I get a few more lifestyle photos. Like, would you put them in the book? And they were like, you have three days and we're not paying for it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And so I literally paid out of my own pocket and I got some of my favorite and I styled them all myself. And I went to like Intermix and spent $5,000 on clothing that I re- returned the next day. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so smart. Which was so nerve wracking because I was like making chocolate stuff. And I was like, oh my God, if I get anything on this shirt, I won't. Seriously. <laughs> That's so funny. I've done, I've done something similar. Sorry, Intermix. I know. Seriously. (laughs) I've I've done it all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lifestyle shots are the best because they're so, it's like real life. And that's what the book is about. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? The book is about the really beautiful food, but I think it, because it felt more me, um, it, I like the vibe of those ones more because it didn't feel stage. It was like just me styling it with my friends and Zach and then Bella made it into one. She was like on the, on the couch which is us. so necessary it, she's your baby it's my favorite photo in the book honestly like, yeah so. I, I so get that yeah I mean cat mom for life I know I really need to do your cat psychic yeah you should I'm, so, like, I'm nervous that she'll say being mean things about me well <laughs> I was always nervous about that too but because she's not sassy that. you know like I know mm-hmm. she really loves me but she's also very sassy yeah, because I talked to Miranda, who's been on this podcast. I talked to her pretty frequently, but I took a break for a while when I was really sick because I was terrified that Hudson was going to say that I wasn't paying enough attention to him because mm. I wasn't. I couldn't. I couldn't get out of bed, and so I was just like, I felt bad about that already. Um, but honestly, it'll amaze you what what your cat has to say because he didn't say anything like that. He was just worried about me and. 
that's a whole other special. It's a super special thing. Um, Our animals are the best. So I want to know what brought you to New York. Because you were living in Berkeley. Yeah. You've been in New York for a long time now. Yeah, uh, off and on. I did like the stint in London in the middle. And then we also have this like fun year where we lived with Zach's parents. Um, which Where? Oh, in Berkeley? In Berkeley, mm-hmm. yeah. We like, when we moved back from London, he was just starting this company and I was coming off of this like extreme anxiety period and still trying to like find my feet again. And we lived with his parents, which I was so embarrassed about at the time. I was just like, I am a failure. I always thought I was going to be this huge success in life. And I'm right. like living with my husband's parents, my boyfriend at the time. He hadn't proposed yet. Um, but I, and I ended up being like such a magical time. It was really... I like if if anybody can spend that kind of time with their parents or their in-laws, I think it's really, really cool to do because like somebody I read a quote once that was like your parents are the people in your life that you love the most that are likely you're likely to have the least amount of time with ultimately. Mm-hmm. And also you spend like ninety percent of the time with your parents by the age of eighteen that you ever will in your life. Wow. Um, and that really resonated with me. So I think getting to have this time with my in-laws to get to know them as people and the rhythms of their life and cook for them and all of that. I I did the recipes for my first book at their house. Cool. Um, That was really special. So New York, I always dreamed of uh, moving to New York. I actually, when I was in high school in Modesto, I, I told people I was from New York. Um, I love that. Even though I wasn't because I'd moved there from Arizona and I was just like, my grandma was from New York. So I'd been there enough to be able to be like a central park and right. like all these places. And I, I was terrified. I mean, it sounds ludicrous now, but I just remember my biggest fear in high school being that when I was older, my E! True Hollywood story would come out and everybody would be like, you're not from New York. Oh my God, you're from Arizona. And I was just like, this is gonna... I would lay awake at night literally thinking about that. The E! True Hollywood story part is the best (laughs) part. Which says a lot about like who I was as a person at the time. (laughs) I Um, love it. But yeah, I like love New York. I just thought it was the ultimate dream. And so I worked... I ran an editorial team at a startup after college and the startup failed. And uh, we all just like got laid off one day. And so I packed my bags. I Oh no. So what I did was I applied to jobs in New York because you need a New York address to apply for jobs in New York. So I used my friend's address. I got an interview. I was like, I'm just going to fly out, do this interview. And I flew out and I the plane landed and I had an email from them that was like, oh, we decided to hire internally. And I was like, Oh my God. They had, they didn't know I'd flown out there for right. it, you know, because I had to pretend I lived there. So I was devastated. And I called Zach like bawling on the tarmac. And we decided that I would give it one week. And if it was meant to be, and like I was meant to be in New York, then I would have jobs offers by then. And by the end of the week, I had three job offers. And wow. I'd been looking for a job for a while by then in San Francisco with no luck. So um, we just felt like it was the time. And we, I lived in like a terrible apartment in Wall Street area for six months while I waited for Zach. I had like, it was like, I think it was a one bedroom that they turned into three bedrooms. And the guy in the middle room watched porn 100% of the day with oh the door open. God. And the other guy was like a really messy comedian who like worked weird hours. And I just had the back room by the boiler and like it smelled like the Italian food from below all the time. It's just like it was so t- New York. Everything you hear about New York, and it was very true. But it felt so like magical and vibrant, and just I do think that the place that you live, um, which I'm going to ask you on my podcast, like how any place that you've been has made you healthier, happier. Like what sort of the place that influence? Because I do think places influence us so much, and people don't talk about that. You know, 
<coughs> I totally agree. Yeah. So I think I felt like I came into myself in New York. I just felt like I became a woman and I became self-actualized. And I, there's something about having all of those places at your fingertips and all these ideas and all these people at your fingertips and everything's right there just for you to take it. And I also think it has a flip side. It's very success driven and very go, 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 go. Uh, and now that I'm getting older, I'm craving respite from that. But at the time it was just, honestly, I watched, you know, a lot of sex in the city. Yeah. It's an exciting place to be. Glamorous. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I, I still, I'm not sure where I want to ultimately end up, but I, I think that New York's been a really special part of my journey. Are you guys going to stay in LA forever? Do you think? Well, I would never say never about moving somewhere, but I do think we'll stay here. We're very happy here. Jonathan's family is from here. My parents are basically 50-50 living here now. That's so cool. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. that they they do that. Yeah. They live upstairs. That's so insane. And they just like do that half the time or do they, yeah, they still so, keep their place in Sacramento? Yeah. They go back to Sacramento. My dad still works. So he'll like go back to Sacramento and my mom goes with him. Um, but they spend a lot of time here and my sister lives here and even like my mom's family's from here. So I don't know. LA is just kind of where it is for yeah. us with family. And I love the beach, the location, everything about it. I know. Especially um, like I'm here in January right now and it's sunny out. And I'm just I like, know. that's one of the things that convinced me to move. How back. can you not? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see us moving, honestly, but I, at times I get little inspirations to move to someplace like Ojai where life would be so simple. And there are things I don't love about a metropolitan city. And like, it's just so funny though, because coming from New York, I'm like, I want to move to LA so that life will be simple. I know. Right. (laughs) And it is like compared to New York, it's just a different life. Um, But it's still, there's like events every night and it's like, you don't have to go to them, but like, I don't know, there's just a lot of pressure. So I like a small town vibe, but I love it here. So I can see it staying here for sure. And I also think LA has like the little, like London had this too, where London is literally just a bunch of little villages that got smushed Mm -hmm. together and now they call it a city, which is why it takes like an hour and a half to go from one part of London to the other. And I think LA has that vibe too, where it's just like, you have all these little villages, but they're kind of smushed together. I know. Into a That's what I city. love about LA. Like yeah. if you live in Brentwood and somebody lives on the East side, like in Silver Lake, I mean, I don't feel like we live in the same city Yeah, and I never go there. I mean, I, I might know. go there once a year. Um, and that's just me. Some people spend their time driving around and they're better with that. Yeah. But, but it's a lot. A no, it, it feels person. like somebody might as well live like in a different country yeah. if they live in Definitely. the valley or something. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, um, so you've written about wellness for a long time. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are some of the wellness things that have been your favorite topics to cover or to learn about? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, CBD was really... So I was the first person to write sort of like a viral CBD article. And it that's was... cool. Yeah. I mean, considering it's, it's like, like blown up now. It's crazy. And this was like a number of years ago. And I, I think people really didn't, still didn't know what it was. And still, it's like one of the most um, search... Like if you search for CBD, it'll come up. Um, was it on Mind Body Green? It was on Mind Body Green. And I had a crazy title. Like CBD is the anxiety fighting, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer supplement you're not taking or something. So like, wow, of course, it yeah. got a million views. Um, but I... 
I thought that that was a really interesting topic. And I still think that the endocannabinoid system is fascinating. And I love sort of learning about um, the different systems in our bodies that we still don't have full understandings of. And so I think I still, I really like diving into those topics, like why our nervous system works in certain ways and why our endocannabinoid system works in certain ways. And like the whole notion of CBD toning your endocannabinoid system and why we even have an endocannabinoid system. Or like, I think it's fascinating. I wrote about recently how um, when you walk through the forest, like forest bathing is a really common recommended practice these days. And one of the reasons it's, it's great for a myriad reasons, but one of the reasons it's great is because the plants actually release terpenes, which is one of the things that's good in CBD for you. So you're inhaling terpenes and you're having this actual chemical effect on your body when you're walking through a forest, which I think is so interesting that we work in systems with nature like that. Um, I also love learning about different wellness practices in different parts of the world. I'm really interested in travel journalism generally. And I love sort of the wellness bent to it, like how they're using, like they drink gallons of olive oil in the average Italian family. And I think that that's really, really interesting to see like how that affects your hair and your skin and your nails. (coughs) Um, But yeah, so I I really love like hearing about different cultures and what they're doing for wellness and what they're doing to feel like their best selves. I also think historical wellness is really fascinating. I'm a Mm -hmm. big history buff. um, So I love learning about like all, like we were doing x-rays for health benefits and beauty in the 1920s. And I'm just like, I think that's really interesting, especially since we're doing laser for the same reasons now. And I'm like, are we going to look back and think that that was crazy in 80 years? Right. That's Um, so interesting. Yeah. I've had my hair, I've had laser hair removal. And I always like wonder whether that'll be like to now what x-rays were to the twenties. Right. I um, know. You never know. You never I mean, know. So it's really interesting. Yeah. It's something I definitely am going to ask you about when I interview you. Cause I'm curious how you like select what treatments you feel like are going to do more good than harm, you know? Right. That's a really good that's a really good Just question. <laughs> yeah, I will. Especially because I'm like a treatment psycho. Like yeah, I do everything. It's, it's really like, it's scary. I, I think because of my experience with the seizure, I'm a lot, I'm more trepidatious when trying stuff on my own body. Like when you or Tim Ferriss or somebody are like, oh, I've like done all of these different things. I'm like, I feel like it's very brave. And also like, thank God people are willing to sort of guinea pig themselves because it ends up helping so many people. But it's something I'm, in awe of because it seems so scary to mm-hmm. me personally, you know. I get it. All right, guys, just a brief interruption from this conversation with Liz to tell you something very exciting, which is that the Balanced Blonde digital store is going to be opening up any day now. And this is something I've been really excited about for a long time, something that we've been putting together and just getting really thrilled about over here because it's a new offering and a place where you'll be able to find everything from me in one place. I mean, you can already find everything from me in one place on my website, but this is a digital store where we'll be relaunching Waking Back Up to Your Own Soul, my soul course that I have just been so excited to re-release because the last time we released it was in early October. So before our wedding, before anything, and you guys have been asking for it. People who have been 
interested in the course but haven't done it yet. So that's going to be available again on the Balanced Blonde Digital Store. And then also my new plant-based ebook is going to be in there and a variety of other things. And there will be bundles where you can buy things together. It's going to be awesome. So to stay tuned for all that good stuff, sign up for my newsletter, which we will leave the link in the show notes to make it really easy for you. So excited to have this awesome digital store offering for you guys, which has all the stuff that just feels so me and so amazing to share with you guys as digital offerings. I'm excited if you couldn't tell. So would love for you to be the first to hear about it by signing up for my newsletter where you'll also just get fun little tidbits from me every so often there. So yeah, head to the show notes to sign up for that. And let's head back into the episode with Liz. So I want to ask you the questions I ask everybody who comes on the show. They're like kind of rapid fires, but they're also not because they don't have to be rapid. Um, I just call them that. So um, what are your sun, rising, and moon signs? Oh, I like listen to your show, so I should have known you would have asked this. Um, (laughs) I... Um, a sun Leo, which I definitely know because I feel very Leo-y. Wait, what's your birthday again? August 14th. Okay. I love Leos. And Isn't Jonathan Jonathan's Leo? a Leo. My dad's a Leo. Just like a lot of I mean, we are the life. best sign. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you guys are fire. Yeah. Everybody needs fire. Um, so I'm a Leo sun. I'm a Capricorn rising, okay. which I felt bad about initially, but then my friend who used to do a lot of the astrology stuff at MBG uh, told me that it's like how I get stuff done. But yeah. I felt like it made me sort of like a like an anal bitch. Uh, <laughs> but she said that's not the case. No, the good, <laughs> the good. I mean, every sign has like its positives and negatives and Capricorn, especially a Capricorn rising is like very work oriented. And I think sometimes a lot of fault. I think mm-hmm. especially if you combine it with like the Leo's uh, need to have their ego stoked. And then I'm essentially like working like a dog to have that happen with my right. Capricorn. I think that that can be like a dangerous combo. Yeah. Um, but it can also be very successful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just need to balance it. Yeah. Um, and then I think my moon is like, it's. A, I know it's a water sign. I want to say it's Sagittarius. Okay. Um, but I'd have to ask my friend because she yeah. keeps track of this stuff. For me. No, I get it. <laughs> I mean, if you're not like obsessed with it, people are always like, wait, I mean, Every day I have one of my friends text me and be like, what's my moon sign again? Yeah, that's, I, that's how I, I use my friend or I'll like text her when I'm out with a couple and be like, he's this and she's this. Are they going to work? You know, yeah. and it's like a fun, I like, I love her, her opinions on all of this stuff. Yeah. I just like, don't feel like I need to learn it because I can use her brain when it's I need perfect. to. Yeah. You're doing all the other things. Um, what are some of your favorite foods? Oh my God. So many foods. Um, definitely potatoes. Uh, it's it's like a real problem. Meat. My potato problem. Like I just I love hash browns. I love latkes. So um, good. Baked potatoes. Like I I just love potatoes so much. <laughs> Me too. And they're not like particularly. I don't think they're as unhealthy as a lot of people say they are. I think that that came from like more of the calorically minded world because mm-hmm. they actually have a number of really delicious, good for you minerals. Um, even white potatoes do. Uh, but I love them. Um, they're not like the healthiest food on the planet. I also love, uh, cookies. Is that, can I say like a whole food? Yeah, not just course. like an ingredient. Yeah. And then I would say really delicious stone fruit when it's at the height of its season is I think one of, I like, there's no dessert. 
I think I could make that would taste as good as like a very ripe nectarine in July, you know? I love, love those too. It's so good. And then herbs. I also love herbs and I think herbs are so underutilized in cooking. I, um, one, if your dish is ugly, just like tear up some herbs on top of mm-hmm. it. And it looks beautiful. It's true. Uh, and two, it just, it adds so much flavor and also so many health benefits because you're getting all of these phytochemicals that you can't get in. And it's just in much more concentrated amounts in the herbs, which is giving them their really strong and pungent flavors. Uh, so I love herbs medicinally. I'll make like a tea from fresh herbs a lot with like mint and rosemary and Yum. thyme. Uh, but then I'll also use them in like all of my dishes, an abundance of herbs. Yeah. That sounds so good. I love herbs. Um, What's one question you've never been asked in an interview that you wish you'd been asked? I think I wish I had been asked what I got right in my life a little bit more. I think that a lot of the interviews I do either focus on the things that are very surface level in their success, which I'm so grateful for. And I feel so good about like my you know, outward accomplishments and the things that read as accomplishments to the rest of the world. Um, And I also think we talk about mistakes a lot and the things that you sort of grow and learn from. And I think those are equally important, but I think I almost wish it for selfish reasons because I think I could do better at reflecting on the things that have actually like felt right and felt like they brought real joy to my life. So what are those things? Um, I'm really, really, really proud of my relationship. Zach was my first uh, like very long-term relationship. Um, and I've worked so hard at it, at learning to like say, I'm sorry. And realizing that a fight doesn't mean that you don't love each other. And, um, and I, I'm, you know, I'm a very anxiously attached person and I worked so hard to, to believe in our love and believe in us. Um, and, really, really grown a lot as a person through that. Same with uh, my relationship with my father. Um, and then my sister, I, you know, I've had sort of, I have two half sisters and I didn't grow up with them. And I spent a long time feeling very alienated because my stepmother um, would sort of like be like, we're a family unit and you're separate. Are they younger than you? Yeah. They're six years younger than me. So I, I, I mean, like if I picture my childhood, like I picture my stepmom and my two half sisters, like walking through a target parking lot and like me walking, like 30 feet behind, like by myself. Um, and I had a lot of resentment towards her for that. Cause I just didn't feel very loved a lot as a child. Um, and we've in the last few years just developed this really wonderful, amazing relationship. And I think I didn't see my parents are divorced like multiple times. And I didn't see the, the, wonder of working in a relationship. Like I assume the work would be bad and the good times would be good. And those would sort of be their own things. And I think I'm really proud of how I've been able to learn how good the work is and how good just opening yourself up to other people like that can be. I love that. That's really, yeah, that's amazing. And it's not a question that would normally be asked, but I like that a lot. And I can relate to that too. I have half siblings and just, um, wait, so how do you, cause your parents are like, my are, parents are married. My dad has three kids from okay. a previous marriage and yeah. And those are my half siblings. I've had them my whole life. They're, we're 14 years apart. Oh, wow. Um, even yeah, me, me and the closest. So yeah, I'm very, very close with one of my sisters and and her husband and her kids. And 
Um, yeah, there's just a lot of Are family Are you the stuff. only one that's like a product of their marriage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I it's also interesting when you're... So my husband is the same way where his he has a half-sister on his mom's side who's 10 years older than him and a half-sister on his dad's side who's 25 years older than him. And then he's the one that's the product of like the marriage that's still strong, that are still in love. So he's like this little love baby that's like sort of the nexus point of the family, yeah. bringing the family together, which yeah. I think is a fun position to be in. I don't meet that many people who are in that position. So yeah. that's very cool. It's also a lot of pressure, I think, because it's like, oh, you're you're the little point that the family can focus around. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely like you get a lot of attention, but there's a lot of expectation yeah. and yeah. But I mean, I love it. I'm very close with my parents, but I know I'm very jealous of your relationship with your parents. Like, to be honest, I think it's it's, it's such a special thing. And I'm very, very close to my dad and I'm close with my mom. Uh, but, uh, it's, you know, definitely been a relationship that's been difficult for me. And I've always just been like really jealous. People have that like effortless best Mm -hmm. friendship with their, with their parents. Yeah. It's nice. And it's probably too, I mean, partially because like I am their only child together. So the three of us have always just been such a unit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You and your dad seem very close. Yeah. He's like one of my best friends. Yeah. I love when you do Q and A's with him on your stories. Yeah. He's a therapist. He really surprises me with his responses. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's cool because he's a psychologist and I, uh, I know he's good at his job and he gives me good advice, although he's terrible at taking his own advice. Like he's such an example of like, he can give great advice, but Mm -hmm. not manage his own life. But, um, I'm just like, it's really cool to see him in that role. When I do, I do these little like therapy sessions on my Instagram stories where I let people send in questions and then he answers them. And I'm just like, that was a good answer, dad. Like, I didn't think you would have such a good answer to yeah, that. You know, it's, really, cool, to it's see. cool to see him in that light for sure. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite workout? Right now it's weightlifting, which <laughs> I would have never, ever thought that I would say, but I like go to the gym. Did you, do you know what DZ Discovery Zone is? No. It's like a, it's like, it's like a playground for kids, but it had like, a, it was like McDonald's playgrounds, but like on crack. It was like crazy. And there's like ball pits and whatever. And I loved it. It was the coolest thing to go to DZ Discovery Zone as a kid. And I feel like the gym is like that for grownups, but nobody ever told me. So I feel like uh-huh. I go and there's like big foam blocks and there's like things you can lift and things you can slam. And like, I don't know. I just you climb around on stuff and I feel like it's so fun. And nobody told me that it was fun, you know? Yeah, and I fun. just feel like, why were you guys all hiding the fact that it's like, everybody made it sound like, oh, like you go to the gym. It's like such hard work or like, how do I, I feel like even the media is so responsible for this, for making it seem like it's like going to be the hardest thing you do to commit to a workout routine, but you should do it for your health and like suffer through it. And I'm like, it's super fun. And nobody told me. I think it's fun too. I think it's all about finding what, you enjoy yeah, because what you vibe with. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to love something different. Yeah. I'm a hot yoga person. It makes me happy. I could do it every day forever and be like the happiest ever. See, in hot yoga classes, I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. I just get like yeah. so hot. Oh, and, I like, almost had that last night too. So <laughs> I'm having a lot of like panic <laughs> lately. Yeah. But you also, I feel like you're coming off of like, um, almost like a hibernation and you're sort of shaking off the, the snow and the slumber. And in your, I think there's going to be stuff stirring up as you do that and you're coming back to life. And mm-hmm. I think that's really exciting. Like I think, you know, spring, everything's being flooded with all of this energy and that makes stuff vibrate a little bit. That's the best way I've ever heard it put. And I'm going to use that now. It's true. My dad always says that there is such a fine line between anxiety and excitement and we are terrible at telling the difference. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times it really works 
to reframe your anxiety as excitement. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's true. That is. I know. I, mean, I try to do it. I'm like, it. I'm really excited about the turbulence. <laughs> I know. Totally. <laughs> I'm just so excited about it's all so that's going great. on. Yeah. I could see it working though. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what is your dream vacation? Uh, South Africa or not even South. I just, I want to go on a luxury safari so bad. My friend did it and for her honeymoon and she did it during like baby animal season. And so she would just see baby animals all day. She'd like wake up. She just said she'd start crying like at nine in the morning and cry until like five at night. That's so um, cool. It's totally my dream. It is so insanely expensive. We didn't do it as a honeymoon. And I feel like, how do you like justify just doing it randomly? Right. So I'm trying to pitch articles. <laughs> oh, you should. You could write about it. I That's mean, like, yeah, like a wellness safari or something. Yeah. But like, it's like, I just feel such a, or going somewhere where you can like hang out with baby elephants, but it's not like bad for the elephants. So totally. if you know of a place like that, let me know. Yeah, I think I do. I don't know if it's baby elephants, but my friend went to Thailand recently and, and, and went like, to like a good, like where they're yeah, not yeah. sort of. She was volunteering okay. and like, she said, I don't know that much about it, but she said they're treated really well and you're like there to take care and of them. And you're like rehabilitating and... them for like. Exactly. Life. Yeah. That's, and she that's said it was life changing. So I'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you What's were, your I, dream vacation right now? Uh, my dream vacation? Um, well, I want to go to Europe with Jonathan because he's never really been except for he's been to London. Oh my um, gosh. And I studied abroad do in you, Italy. Oh, you did Bali for your honeymoon. Yeah. I was like, did you do a honeymoon? Yeah, you did. Yeah. You guys did like a three week honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> we were gone for a long time and I've been to Bali like with him. He and I have been to Bali a lot and we love it, but we're ready to like explore new things, um, new to us things. So he hasn't experienced all these places that are super special to me, yeah. like Italy and France and like I want to take him to Tuscany. I want to take him to the Amalfi oh Coast. And so i that's kind of my dream right now. But as far as a place that I've never been, um, I really want to go to India. And I know that my health has to be really strong for that because my stomach is not I'm there I'm honestly yet. nervous about going to India myself. Like I, it's such a magical culture. And I just, I, I think it would be such an amazing experience. But every person I know who's gone, who's gotten like, really, really ill and it scares me. So that, yeah, I mean, like I'm just getting healthy. I don't need to put myself in that position of parasites and things that I already have. Um, But I would love to have like a really spiritual yogic experience in India. Yeah. And if not there, then maybe somebody listening can, or you can advise. No, you'll get there. Yeah, somewhere similar. Like it, it'll come at some point. I think so too. Yeah. And you the know perfect that, timing. Um, Tuscany has amazing hot springs. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Well, I'll add that, that to my yeah. Yeah, Euro <laughs> trip. Yay. Um, if you are a color, what color? Lavender. Best? Why? Because it's got like the reds in it that are... Um, this is, by the way, it's for some reason my favorite question you ask. I just think it's like so weird and random. And it is so it's weird. It's like you could ask it at a dinner party and people be like, what color would I be? And it'd be yeah, a really nice respite it's really from fun. everybody like talking about politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like the red, like the energy of the red, but I like that it's toned down by the blue and it's sort of more of a calming and peaceful, but it still can be like really eye-catching as a color. I think that that's really nice. Yeah. It's such a pretty color. Yeah. It's also my favorite color. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, If you had the chance to meet anybody, who would you want to meet? Probably. God, there's so many people. 
Um, probably Obama right now. Honestly, I would take Michelle or Barack. Um, I just think that I'm very interested in purpose and having an outsized impact on the world right now. And I feel like I would love to meet somebody who categorically had that and just kind of learn from them about that. I love that. That's a really good answer. Um, So what's on the horizon for you? Well, this is an exciting year. I have a lot of sort of exciting stuff coming up with my brand and world that I can't talk about a ton of. But one thing that I have fully committed to for 2020 that I'm very excited about is um, writing uh, a new piece of like literary work. So instead I was working on my next cookbook proposal and I still will do that, I think. But then um, I was like, I want to try writing. I think I'm going to write a book of essays. So it won't be, this is the first time I'm saying out loud. So I'm actually going to like commit to it. Um, But yeah, so sort of like a narrative nonfiction in the vein of like David Sedaris or Sloan Crosley or something like that. Um, And talking about my anxiety and talking about the wellness world and the crazy parts of that. And just sort of like, I don't know, life and adventures and relationships and all of that. So I'm, I love it. Want to have that done and sent out by the end of the year. Amazing. Okay. Well, I hold can't to wait it. to yeah, read it. I will hold you to it. I still can't believe how similar we are. It's insane. Just based off of like literally everything that you've been saying, especially with writing. Yeah. Um, I feel are, like writers also like tend to find each other. For sure. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite authors? Oh my gosh. Um, I love Ann Patchett. I love Meg Wolzer. Um, I love Megan Daum. She writes like essays. I think she writes fast. She just wrote this book about um, stuff that like you're not... She, well, her first book was like stuff you're not supposed to talk about. And then or I think that was her second book, The Unspeakable. And then she just wrote one that's like about... I don't know. It's just all these topics that you're just like, whoa, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Oh, wow. And then she... Uh, she does, which is really cool. Um, and then for like older stuff, I love Fitzgerald a lot. I like him more than Hemingway, which I feel like is a bold opinion, especially because I spent a really long time. I would copy Hemingway stuff to like learn. I, some writer did this and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So I'd copy it and write it to learn the rhythms of his sentences. So I could try to kind of take those on myself. Yeah, I like that. Um, but then I was like, his writing actually feels very masculine to me. And I don't, know if that is like, that's not the energy I want to bring. For, I, I'm mm-hmm. really like about the emotional inner lives of people and and those sides of themselves. And so I, I like writers that sort of surface that. Yeah. Who are your favorite, favorite writers? Um, well, I love Fitzgerald too. Um, I love Joan Didion. I She's love Joan Didion. my favorite. She's the White Album like changed my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. And her latest, like her books that are more about her life that she's written later in life. I can't, I'm, I, like her life just like, I can't even imagine. Me neither. The amount of heart break that like one person can go through just I know. feels insane to me. I know. Losing yeah. her husband and her daughter all I within the same year. I actually think she's the one who did that with Hemingway. Like, I actually think I heard that from oh, that, her, an that interview with sense. her. Yeah. She's a fascinating person. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've seen her documentary. Yeah, I did. She's I just donated a, to it on Kickstarter. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was like a backer for That's it. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. She's just different and her life is about her work and she's an amazing writer. Yeah. I'm just obsessed with her. Yeah. Um, and she's from Sacramento, which is pretty rare in terms of like a writer that's you gotten got Greta Gerwig now. I know. That's yeah. That's cool. really cool. Yeah. And Lady Bird brought like we so have, much. Um, 
not George Clooney. Who's the, George Lucas? Oh yeah, yeah, he's from Modesto. He wrote. He did American Graffiti about Modesto. Oh, cool. He used to beat up my dad and steal his lunch money. No way. Yeah, they like lived down the street from each other, and George Clooney was kind of like a little fat kid, like a nerd, I guess. But like my dad was like fatter and a bigger nerd, and so oh. George Clooney was like. I guess you're the only person I can pick on. And so wow. he picked on my dad. I know. I think my dad should like sue for... Seriously now? That's <laughs> like so wild. Damages. What is small $20 million. Dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who are my other favorites? I mean, I kind of cycle through. But in terms of essays, I love Lena Dunham. I think she's mm. an amazing writer. And when you were talking about what you want to write, like I could see it being similar because you're really yeah. funny. And yeah, I yeah, think yeah. she's hilarious. I, I like to have like... I think humor is a fun lens with which to look at life Mm -hmm. for sure. And I think that there is like somebody described David Sedaris uh, essays as like funny, funny, sad. Yeah. I feel like that's like how I write is like funny, funny, sad. And you're just like, ha ha ha. And they're like, oh. Because it's it's real. Yeah. Yeah. It's realistic at the same time. I like stuff that makes me cry. Yeah. A lot. Me too. I love dark, like anything. What are you reading right now? Um, Oh, I've kind of had a bad habit lately of starting like, 10 books at once and not really finishing them. Gretchen Rubin says that if you're like not into book after 20 or 30 pages, you should just give yourself permission to give up on it. That's what I'm going to do. Instead of reading, you're like avoiding reading. You know what I mean? That's what I started doing. Um, My friends and I started a book club and like none of us really liked the first book that we chose. And that was part of it because I kept feeling like if I'm going to read, I should be reading that book because we have our book club coming up and and then you just end Across up not reading. Across the board, like, yeah, we're going to pick a different book for sure. But I'm actually reading, which I do really like, Ryan Holiday's books. Um, Stillness is the Key is mm-hmm. like his latest one. I don't know those. He wrote The Daily Stoic. Um, he draws on like Stoic philosophy and oh, like cool. ancient Greek times and... It's really cool because it's super really cool. educational, but it's he modernizes it and it's really easy to read. So it's just about like the art of stillness, letting go of the ego. Like every page is full of such good information. Interesting. And he tells like stories from um, very modern stories, like about Tiger Woods and like stuff that, yeah, that you just like wouldn't know about. So he's cool. Oh, I, um, I feel like I would like that. You you would. I'll show you. What are you reading right now? I just finished. Um, so I write a books column for My Buddy Green. So I have to read like all the new releases right when they come out so I can pick which ones I recommend for the month. Um, so I just finished Such a Fun Age, which is like sort of a buzzy book right now. Um, but it's about race and um, the relationship between parents and like babysitters and how it's such a weird role that like they're so it's fiction but it's like they're so intimate in your lives but oh, they're wow. also like not as good they liked it that's I would love that and then I'm gonna read um, Jen Gotch's new book after that I have oh, the galley cool. for that in my backpack exciting mm fun so tell everybody where they can find you and all that good stuff yeah so I'm four words um, everything about me is either Liz Moody or healthier together so Liz Moody is my Instagram handle and my website um, and then my book is healthier together and my podcast is healthier together too yeah everybody listen to it we're doing an episode together yeah I like I think when we're doing it right after this so you'll get to hear me grill Jordan right yeah, after this it's basically a continuation, a continuation of this conversation, of conversation. so head for over there about you. yeah exactly <laughs> I'm excited so yeah thanks for coming on this was super fun thanks for I having could talk to you me. forever good thing we're gonna keep talking <laughs> yay 
All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Liz Moody. She's fantastic. Head to her podcast, Healthier Together. We'll leave a link for her podcast in the show notes to listen to our conversation together that we had right after this, where she interviews me and we keep this conversation going. It was so fun sitting here having this podcast swap with Liz was like just hanging out with a friend and having such deep conversations about life and just going deep. She asked me a lot of things that nobody has ever asked me before in a podcast or otherwise. So she's a very good interviewer. You'll definitely learn new things about me by listening. And don't forget to enter our giveaway for two $100 Amazon gift cards by rating and reviewing both of our podcasts in iTunes, sending over a screenshot so that we know that it's done, and then commenting done on my latest Instagram and her latest Instagram. In one week, we'll choose a winner. And then I wanted to quickly talk about Go Macro, the amazing vegan bar that is just truly my life. They are so good. They're a mother-daughter owned company. They are based in a rural community. Their mission is to spread awareness for a balanced plant-based lifestyle with products that have a positive effect on the world. They're available in 16 different flavors, which are all so good, so amazing. They're packed with 100% plant-based ingredients to fuel your body and mind. And my favorite, my personal favorite flavor is their oatmeal chocolate chip. I also love their maple sea salt. They make the world better. They believe in a plant-based lifestyle, which I love. If you have a nut allergy or any dietary restrictions, they come in sunflower butter and chocolate. And also their oatmeal chocolate chip is nut-free and so is their maple sea salt. And then they have eight bars that are certified FODMAP friendly. So use that code BLONDE for 30% off and free shipping. And then also thank you to Hum Nutrition, our other fabulous sponsor of the show. You can always use the code SOUL for 20% off of their products. And lastly, just wanted to leave you guys on a high note. Even though this whole episode was a high note and these brands are amazing and I love them. A whole other high note is that I'm just feeling so good lately. I really truly feel like I'm healing and I want to share that healing energy with all of you. So I hope everyone's feeling good today. If you're not, just know I'm always here for you. You're so loved. You're such a beautiful, beautiful, magical creature. You are here for a reason. You were meant to do great and huge and wonderful and beautiful things. And it's all happening. And this is going to be a really good year. So I love you. That all kind of just came pouring out of me. But like I said, it's past 11 p.m. It's 11.11 now. Make a wish. And yeah, I say the most random things this late at night. So now I'm off to go pack for Ojai with my husband leaving tomorrow. Head to Liz's podcast to listen to our episode together. Enter our giveaway and... Have an amazing day. I love you guys. Have the most soul on fire day possible. Love ya. Talk soon.